Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. The book that we call the Book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, tells the story of the early church. Its opening chapters let us glimpse what life was like for Jesus' followers right after his ascension. As Rena just read, with great power the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them because the Bible tells us everything they owned was held in common and it was distributed to each as any had need. But before they made it to this utopian preview of God's reign on earth, before they could testify with great power and share with great grace, the disciples struggled just to survive right after Jesus' execution. They were devastated, heartbroken, terrified. They were, well, they were devastated, heartbroken, and terrified. Our glimpses into that horrible time come from the closing chapters of all four Gospels, most especially the Gospel of John. And before we hear this morning's John passage, here's a recap of what immediately precedes it. And I take the time for this because today's reading is parts two and three of a little trilogy about seeing and believing. And so I want us to have that trilogy's part one in our mind. Part one takes place on Easter morning. In John's telling, Mary Magdalene approached the tomb, but when she saw the stone had been rolled away, she fled to the others. Two of them hurried to the tomb, and one entered, and the text says, saw and believed. Now, those two guys leave. Mary lingers, and she sees someone she thinks is the gardener, but when he speaks her name, she sees and believes that it's Jesus. He commissions her to announce the resurrection, and she does. End of part one. And now here's the rest of the seeing and believing trilogy. This is John chapter 20, beginning with the 19th verse. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in the house. 
and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, part two and three of our trilogy. Part two is where I began reading, and it picks up later on that first Easter day. Mary has told the good news, and the disciples did not believe. They are so fearful that their faith is in nothing greater than a locked door. But paying no attention to that lock or that door, Jesus is just suddenly standing there in their midst, and he explicitly makes them see his wounded hands inside. And after seeing, only then can the disciples believe. As the text puts it, then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Commissioned to continue Jesus' work, the disciples start by telling Thomas, their friend who'd missed Jesus' visit. And Thomas, just like them, does not believe. Instead, in a scene that exists only in this gospel, Thomas articulates how traumatized they all are. Limiting his belief is the image of metal piercing flesh. That's the end of part two. Like today's worship service, part three takes place one week later. The disciples, this time including Thomas, are again gathered, and Jesus again appears, and with nothing more than peace be with you to the group at large, Jesus zeroes in on Thomas, offering him exactly what he said he needed. And Thomas leaps directly to a fuller declaration of faith than anyone else in this entire gospel has managed, my Lord and my God. Yet, despite this, we malign the poor guy, doubting Thomas. Everyone else in this little trilogy had to see in order to believe But it's only Thomas who gets a bad rap, and that bugs me, because I am grateful for Thomas. He's my soulmate. He's the one who reassures me that my times of doubt do not condemn me. In fact, I've come to think of doubt as being part of faith. Doubt is the condition in which we wonder, ponder, question, seek. Doubt is a way we engage our faith. Now, lately I've been blessed to have conversations about faith with several small subgroups of this congregation. Haley and Paul, whose baby we'll baptize this morning. Caitlin and Zeph, who will join the church next week, as well as Carrie and Donna, who've joined in recent months. Our wonderful incoming elders and a Linton Sunday School class. In each of those situations, we've talked about beliefs, but talking about doubts would have been fruitful too. 
I mean, Thomas's doubt was expressed as seeking to see, which Jesus responds to and then adds, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. So faith is a matter of believing beyond what we can see. And if doubt is a matter of seeking to see, then doubt can be a, a way station on the path toward faith. A story might help here. You may know Fred Craddock, the late great New Testament scholar and arguably the 20th century's greatest storytelling preacher. I once heard Craddock tell this story from his childhood. One summer evening, his dad called him out into their backyard in rural Tennessee, and the two of them lay down on their backs and looked up at the stars. And then the dad asked, son, how far can you think? And young Fred said, what? And the father said again, how far can you think? Oh, well, sir, I don't think I know what you mean. Well, just think as far as you can up toward those stars. And so Craddock said, I screwed my imagination down and I thought and I thought and I thought, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Well, think as far as you can now, son. And eventually the boy said, I've got it, I'm, I'm thinking as far as I can. Okay then, said the dad, drive a stake in at that point. In your mind, hammer in like a, a tent stake up there. Have you driven in the stake? That's how far you can think? Yes, sir. And the dad said, well, now, Fred, what's on the other side of your stake? Um, well, there's more sky. Well, then you'd better move your stake. And they spent the whole evening out there in the backyard moving Fred's stake. Faith is like that, yes? Our relationship with God works sort of like that. Here we are, finite human beings, and then there's God, infinite God, infinite in power and creativity and love and wisdom and forgiveness and grace, and how in the world are we supposed to believe all of that when we're in a world where metal still pierces flesh? More to the point, how in this troubled world could we not doubt something so far beyond what we see? Well, what if we join little Fred Craddock in thinking as far as we can, in, in feeling as far as we can, in believing as far as we can, and then we mark that spot with a metaphorical stake. That stake is our doubt, the limit of what we can at this particular point believe. But that stake of doubt is movable. Now, because our lives are more complicated than a starlit summer evening in a backyard of childhood, the trajectory of our stake moving is likely not a straight line. Instead of moving perfectly onward toward God, sometimes the stake may just tumble right down out of the heavens so that doubt looms larger than belief. I think that's what Thomas is articulating. In the crucifixion, he had witnessed the world do its worst. Rough wood of the cross 
sharp steel of the spear, cold closure of the stone, and that trauma sent Thomas's stake of doubt hurtling so low that it blotted out everything that he believed about God. But then, through the care of friends and the patient grace of God, Thomas comes to believe. I mean, when he exclaims, my Lord and my God, that stake has moved a lot. So where is your stake of doubt? And yes, you may have more than one. I know I do. What is it that you cannot believe? That God created the universe good? That God is still in charge of the universe? That God loves you? that God is active right here and now and will continue to be with Covenant Presbyterian Church as this congregation moves into its next chapter, that God yearns to use every one of us in God's ongoing mission. What is it that you cannot believe? And what would help you to believe? Thomas needed to see in order to move his stake of doubt. We, all of us who, in Jesus' words, are blessed to believe even if we haven't seen. We too need to see. We too need the care of friends. We too need the patient grace of God to help us believe a little further. Thomas helps me move my stake. Thomas and Mary and all those other men and women who witnessed these events and kept talking about them so that the story stayed alive long enough for the gospel writers to grab pen and paper and start taking notes. Maybe all of them are lying beside us in the summer grass, looking up at the stars and encouraging us to believe a little further. Because did you notice how the text ends? After wrapping up this trilogy of seeing and believing, the writer pivots to address us directly, saying, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe. So Jesus did more than was written down, and God is still doing more. And even among the faith-challenging traumas of war and pandemic, injustice and despair, we can seek to see what God is doing. And when we catch a glimpse of it in a diaper drive or a prayer vigil, we can point it out to others who also long to believe in something beyond rough wood and sharp steel and cold stone. Church faith is a matter of believing beyond what we can see. And doubt is part of faith. It's the condition in which we wonder and ponder and question and seek. So when you see something, let me know. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. 
God is with us. Grace and peace to you.